0: 1.3 FM stereo. Born to serve.
1: My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change. My tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. Of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope. Oh. Let's hold hands as we make a start. Oh. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah.
0: Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh from myself Muhammad Zaid Kasim on our new program Born to Serve the program where we look at the characters, traits and examples of leaders in our community. In our international interview we have uh, the honor of dealing with a scholar of note and uh, that is none other than Sheikh Shadi Sulaiman. Uh, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
1: Wa alaykum as rahmatullahi wa barakatuh
0: Now, um, Shaykh, uh, I'll ask you to just give a brief introduction of yourself and where you studied and things like that for the listeners, inshallah
1: Bismillah rahman rahim rabbil alamin. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in As-salamu alaykum to you and to our listeners And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from amongst those you listen and hear and act upon what they listen and hear. Uh, alhamdulillah, I thank Allah Azza wa Jal that I am born as a Muslim. And this is one of the greatest blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon me and upon every single Muslim who is born as a Muslim to grow up in a Muslim family. I was born and raised here in Sydney, Australia. My parents come from an Arab Palestinian background who migrated to Sydney in the late 60s. I went to local schools here and then by the age of 16 I became encouraged and keen to learn more about my religion and understand my religion better. Unfortunately, me growing up here in Australia and people like me, which is the second generation growing up and uh, uh, being here in Australia, we suffered a lot that we didn't have anyone or many imams or religious leaders to understand us or try and send the message of Islam to us in a way that we understand it. So, I myself decided to go overseas in '94. I was 16 years old. I went to Pakistan. I studied in Pakistan for two years. And Alhamdulillah, Allah blessed me to memorize the Qur'an-Karim, complete sound memorization of the Qur'an-Karim in Pakistan. Then after that, I went to Syria, Damascus. I acquired Islamic knowledge there in different institutions and different education centers for six years. Alhamdulillah, in Syria, I managed to learn the Arabic language and understand the Islamic fiqh and specialize in a different madhahib, in particular the Hanafi and the Shafi'i Madhab. On my journey back home in 2001, end of 2001, I started with the da'wah work within the Muslim community, in particular the second generation, which I belong to. And uh, my da'wah just focused on those who are born and grew up in Australia to try and bring them back to the deen, try and bring them back to Islam and resonate Islam in their life, ignite the da'wah of Islam in their life. So this is, in a quick summary, my simple and humble experience in my life, in particular when Allah blessed me to go for about eight years to go and study overseas in Pakistan and Syria.
0: Shukran sheikh for that brief. It certainly makes us think about uh, are we doing enough to learn about our religion and whether we know enough, whether it's uh, just sitting in a classroom, are we really doing the right thing? And Alhamdulillah, you are a great example for all the youth out there. Sheikh, could you tell us a bit about your childhood and your family and your upbringing? I know you touched a bit on it now, but just a bit more in detail about your childhood.
1: My childhood is nothing special about it. I'm just a typical Australian Muslim who grew up in uh, Sydney in these areas which is known as the Lakemba Punchbowl area, an area which mainly predominantly uh, populated with Muslims living in this area. So you have a lot of Muslims in these areas and the, obviously the population of the Muslims is growing in this area and other areas. There's nothing, again, special about my childhood besides that so I grew up in a, just a simple, humble family. Religion wasn't one of our main priorities, but Alhamdulillah, Allah Azza wa Jal blessed us later on and uh, made the religion to be our most important thing in our life. <laughs> one of the things I always thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, even though me growing up in a non-religious family and religion, again, wasn't a priority in our lives, but then I thank Allah how Allah chose me and accepting me to be not only from amongst those who practice Islam, but from amongst those who to bring people to the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal. And that's why sometimes I think about it, and I say subhanAllah, it's Allah's blessing upon us that He uses us for this deen, and He puts us in a position to be used for this deen, and in a position to call to His religion. It's not about how special you are and the special family that you come from, and about the caste of family that you come from. It's about you working for Allah Azza wa so okay. honestly, I don't have much to speak about my humble upbringing beside that by the age of 16, as I mentioned, I decided to go overseas and that was a journey that I decided to embark on and it was a good experience for me coming from Australia all the way to Pakistan in 94 and then after that in 1960 Syria. It really made me understand the world better and it broadened my way of thinking when it came to understanding the wider world.
0: Alhamdulillah. Um, Sheikh, uh, just because we are we are linking uh our leaders of today with what they previously were um as children, what they did uh so that uh, the youth of today can see that it's like uh, you had mentioned that it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to come from a a great family to, that uh, one day you won't be a leader so um Sheikh, what type of activities did you enjoy as a child or a teenager?
1: Uh, Subhanallah, <laughs> I was always known to be a boring person someone who was not really interested in uh, doing much sports or going out or intermingling with others and uh, I wasn't to be the loud person my other brothers what had my older brother used to be a lot more louder than me Subhanallah for some reason things twisted now. He's the quiet one. and I'm the loud one now so Alhamdulillah, things change, but uh, I thank Allah Azzawajal for whatever change He brings upon us as long as that I've been uh, changed for the best uh, and what benefits Islam and benefits the da'wah. Alhamdulillah, I was, when I was younger, I used to look after my studies. So I was always from amongst the elite students in the school, and uh, that was one of the reasons that helped me to get overseas and memorize the Quran Al-Karim. When I memorized the Quran al-Karim in Pakistan, I think that was one of the best moments in my life. Is to know that Alhamdulillah, the book of Allah, not only that I read it and not only that I listen to it, but now it's memorized in my heart. So to me, that was the best part of my life and a part that I would never forget. I would never forget that feeling and that moment that I memorized the Quran al-Karim and completely memorized the Quran al-Karim. Alhamdulillah, was a very nice moment and uh, the feeling of that moment is something that I'll continue to remember. It's like I feel it every single day. Keep in mind, I left the country at a young age. So growing up by the age of 16, so I didn't really finish my high school here in Australia. I finished my high school in Syria. I just turned 16 and I went overseas. So by the time I became a teenager and I became a lot more mature, but the world, I did not really get the chance to mix and interact with the the other youth, or mix and interact and see the other side of the world you know once you reach the age of maturity 15 16 years old that's when you start uh, seeing your life and you start looking at your life at a different angle but alhamdulillah Allah bless me that I didn't get the chance to see that here in Australia I got the chance to see that while I was overseas in the path of knowledge.
0: Sheh you speak very passionately about uh, your studies overseas and it clearly comes across that it was really a a nice experience and a positive experience and something really great. So is there any happening or incident that might have uh, taken place that you could share with us something positive?
1: So one of the things I mentioned before, my generation, which is the second generation that's born and grew up here in Australia, our parents came from overseas and when they came from overseas, they struggled to fit in within the society. And then it was my generation that was born here, grew up here, educated here. And they know the environment and the culture and the language better than our previous our previous generation. And what happened is, when we grew up, we struggled. We struggled understanding our religion. Not because we didn't want to understand our religion. It's because there wasn't anyone there out there that can send the message across to us in a way that we understand it. So I realized that when I started to go to the masjid at the age of 14 or 15, I realized that, you know, I struggled in finding someone that can address me in English or address me in my mindset and frame. So one thing resonated in me intriguing me that, you know, how long is this going to continue going for? Where we don't have homegrown imams or imams who speak the English language or at least understand the Australian culture. So this was the drive for me to go overseas. I wanted to make a change. And alhamdulillah, I thank Allah that he used me for this change. I went for eight years, I came back, I was the first Australian Muslim who is a homegrown imam. So I was the first Australian Muslim who is born and bred in Australia, became a qualified imam and came back to Australia. That phenomenon did not exist in the past or oh, 15 years ago. Alhamdulillah, now there's an influx of Australian-born uh, Muslims who are born and bred in Australia. went I studied overseas and came back, now there's at least 30, 40 of them in Australia. But 15 years ago, I was the first one to get overseas and come back and be as an Australian-born Imam. And that made a lot of changes in people's uh, perception. Where Now, alhamdulillah, the da'wah had evolved from one stage. It was the da'wah in Arabic or in Urdu or in Indonesia or in any other foreign language. Now the da'wah is becoming an English. And in English, not only your you know, English that's spoken because someone knows how to speak it, but a pure Australian English that relates to those who are born and grew up here. And alhamdulillah, there has been a huge and significant changes in the last 15 years, even in the Dawah in Australia. The Dawah had moved from the Dawah of migrants to the Dawah of those who are born and grew up in Australia. And those who are born and grew up in Australia have a lot more advantages than those who came from overseas. Why? Because they fit in in the society. They fit in in the society a lot stronger than those who came from overseas. They are part of the culture. that were born here, they grew up here, and they have no other home or other place to call home, beside Australia. So these are the changes that uh, we experience. And uh, one of the things that I've realized in my recent trip to South Africa when I was there two months ago, I saw some of the resemblance in the Muslim community in South Africa and the Muslim community in Australia. We are minority here and you are already there. The difference is the comun- Muslim community in South Africa is a lot older than the Muslim community in Australia. Even though Islam existed here for... 150 years or even more, yes. but as a wide and widely spread community with a large number, is uh, this phenomenon has only existed in the last 30
0: years. We are chatting to uh, Sheikh Shadi Suleiman and uh, stay tuned, we are going for a break. Going on Umrah, looking for the best deal on foreign exchange? Look no further. Contact Africa Bureau de Change for the best rate and pay no commission. We accept all means of payment. To book your currency order, contact Rafika Abrams on 082 307 6905 or visit our Strand Street office in Cape Town Mondays to Fridays from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Into Africa, we rate you the best. Imagine a place where you can find all sorts of great food. A place that offers everything under one roof. Imagine Eastern cuisine from curries to pastas. Belgian waffles to pancakes or at Rossini Fine Dining Restaurant. Imagine superb sizzling tikka chicken and all kinds of meat and chicken braai at its best at Chicken Tikka Inn. Imagine triple decker steak sandwiches, layered cocktails and fresh juices at Metro Juices. Imagine great food and ambiance at Arabian Nights Lounge in Hookah. Don't imagine. Come to Metro Food Centre. Enjoy great food for the whole family. Find us at 104 Crombourne Road, underneath the Crombourne Bridge. Call 021-696-5422. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Born to serve.
1: My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change, my tongue sing the song. Alhamdulillah,
0: Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the Voice of the Cape on 91.3 FM. The program is Born to Serve. Online, we have Sheikh Shadi Sulaiman, and uh, who is speaking to us about how he went through his studies and a bit more as well. Sheikh, could you describe yourselves with three words?
1: I describe myself with three words uh, that's the first time someone asked me this question uh, I describe myself as a proud Muslim a passionate da'i, and someone that l- loves to see people change their life that's yeah. something that I, I could describe myself
0: alhamdulillah um education uh, and seeking knowledge isn't always easy especially if we have to seek knowledge in a different country away from home, like you mentioned on all your travels to Pakistan and uh, Syria etc where you didn't where you had to finish your high school in Syria. Could you share with us some of the the things that inspired you to pursue your studies in these countries, even though you were you were missing a home, which i'm sure you you missed home being that young, but yet you pursued your studies. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the truth is it was a struggle for me. It was a big struggle for me to leave Australia and go to those countries. You know, Australia has a lavish, comfortable life, and it's a first world country to go from a country like Australia to a country like Pakistan, not despising or belittling Pakistan or Syria, but the lifestyle here is a lot more comfortable than the lifestyle in Pakistan and Syria. So that was a a struggle within itself. It was hard for me to try and accustom to the environment there. And at the same time, it was hard for me to get accustomed to the weather there. I was in a state or in a city called, uh, next to Hyderabad, Shadat, in Pakistan. And the weather there was very, very different to the weather that we have here in Australia. It was very hot. in comparison to the temperature that we get here in summer in Sydney at the same time the food the culture the understanding even the customs and the law that's been applied there is totally different to what we've experienced here in Australia and that within itself was a struggle I've experienced a lot of brothers from different Western countries who come to those countries and that even last so it's one of the na'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon me that I lasted in Pakistan and then I lasted in Syria and uh, a lot of the times And this is something I reflect upon now. There's a lot of lessons that you don't understand in life until later on. And amongst those lessons is sometimes I used to think back when I was in Syria, And when I was in Pakistan, I used to look at the situation, I used to say to myself, what brought me here? Like, I left Australia, a comfortable country, left your friends, left your family, and uh, coming to a country which is tough to live in, very hot and uh, very disorganized, or there's a lot of disorder in those countries. What brought me here? But then, subhanAllah, I realized that what Made me who I am right now is the experience and the encounter that I had in Pakistan and Syria. It makes you a lot more stronger person. It broadens your way of thinking, and it prepares you for a big mission. And the mission that I, I ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to accept from me, the mission that I had in mind is to continue with the legacy of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi okay. So, if you want to continue with this legacy, you need to follow the footsteps of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi You need to be prepared and trained for that. And you can't put yourself in a position of leadership or put yourself in a position of leading a nation or trying to make a change within a nation or a community if you're not strong enough to counter that, if you're not strong enough to experience and face that. So my biggest experience out of that is it made me who I am now. It made me a lot more stronger. It made me a lot, it made me a lot more content, a lot more satisfied. It broadened my way of thinking, and that's very important because as a da'i You need to understand people, understand the way they think, and you need to look at things from more than one angle. You can't look at things with one eye and look at things from one angle. So this is the experience that I've acquired from traveling overseas. Obviously, in addition to that, and that's the ultimate thing, is the knowledge. Uh, Unfortunately, and and up to even till this day here in uh, Sydney, Australia, there's no islamic institution that provides traditional islamic knowledge to graduate imams and uh, scholars we don't have that in australia and inshallah this is one of the dreams that i have is inshallah i want to establish what you call Azdaru uluma islamic university in australia where the need of sending people overseas is no longer needed Uh, if people want to become imams and people want to become scholars that could attend their local institutions here in Australia and become ulama and become scholars. Until now, up to date, we don't have not even one Islamic institute, not even one darat ulum in Australia, and that's why you find a large number of people. Like myself, 15 years ago or 20 years from now, uh, I came uh, 20 years uh, ago, I went overseas and I studied and came back. And that's why I have to say to the brothers and sisters in South Africa, you yeah, are very fortunate. We are very fortunate that, alhamdulillah, have a large number and uh, various Dar ulums and Islamic institutions that graduate imams. This is a na'mah that you probably, maybe you do not value, but to us it's a very valuable na'mah because we don't have it. And as they said, you do not value a bounty and a until you miss it or you lose it or you find it less or lost from someone else uh, and this is something for you to think about and i would like to trigger that in your mind and your heart the importance of having islamic institutions that graduate imams and ulama as you do have in south africa wallahi are very very fortunate
0: Um, um sheikh you you spoke about uh being a da'i and uh as well as as being a leader and uh how in south africa we have these uh, various institutions that we can go to 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 study this and then with that not having to leave South Africa, how important is it to be an inspiring leader, especially when you are a Muslim leader?
1: Every Muslim should be an inspiration for everyone else. A Muslim should be an inspiration to other Muslims. A Muslim should be an inspiration to his family. A Muslim should be an inspiration to his children. A Muslim should be an inspiration to the non-Muslims. That's what makes us unique and different than everyone else. That's what makes you a Muslim, that you are different than everyone else because you are a source of attraction. You are a source of attraction that you attract people to make a change in their life. You attract people to to Islam, you attract people to the Da'wah of Islam. And this is something that sometimes I realize it's very hard for some people to grasp and comprehend. We as Muslims, we represent Islam, whether we like it or not. We are the ones who are representing Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We need to be the source of attraction, not a source of distraction. Sometimes we are distracting people away from Islam rather than us attracting people to Islam. I need to ask myself that question always. What am I doing for Islam? What am I doing for the da'wah? Am I the reason that's bringing people to Islam? Am I the reason that's turning people away from Islam? In a moment that we get someone embracing Islam, and we say, Alhamdulillah, Allah Akbar, takbir, and everyone say, everyone will happy, and we say, Alhamdulillah, we managed to bring one person to Islam, we need to ask ourselves, A serious question, how many people have we turned away from Islam? How many people have we distracted away from Islam? Because sometimes with our stupid actions or maybe not our good representation of Islam, we are turning people away from Islam. We need to think about that. That's why I say to every single brother and sister, you are a representative of this deen. You represent Islam, you don't represent yourself with your beard as a brother, you represent Islam with your hijab as a sister, you represent Islam with your name, with the, your, with the way you look, you are representing Islam, not yourself. So don't tarnish the name of this beautiful religion.
0: Now, um, I would like to ask you, uh, what is the status uh, of Islam and current reality for the Muslims in Australia?
1: As I mentioned before, the Muslims in Australia are a minority, and uh, my experience and travel to South Africa two months it really made me reflect upon the Muslim community from what I've seen in uh, South Africa. The Muslims in South Africa they've been there for about two, three hundred years. The Muslims here in Australia are fairly newer than that and younger than that. However, the Muslims here, Alhamdulillah, they're growing and. Uh, the percentage of Muslims in South Africa is 2%, and the percentage of Muslims in Australia is also 2%. However, our community is very diverse. We have Muslims who come from an Arab background, from Lebanese, Iraqi, Egyptian, Syrian, Palestinian, and other backgrounds. And we have Muslims coming from the Indian subcontinent, from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. We have Muslims from Sri Lanka, we have a lot of Muslims from Malaysia, and Indonesia, keeping in mind that our neighboring country, we have a lot of Muslims from Turkey, and uh, saying that that uh, the biggest muslim uh, community here in australia is, is lebanese and the turkish community so the lebanese community and the turkish community are the b- biggest two Muslim communities here in Australia. No. And, alhamdulillah, as I mentioned before also, that now we are no longer to be considered as a migrant community. We've moved from that perception that we are a migrant community. We are now an Australian community who are the vast majority of Muslims here in Australia, are born and bred in Australia. And we are no longer the second generation. We are up to third and fourth Muslim generations born and bred in Australia. And uh, which makes us to be a very strong And serious part of the Australian fabric Uh, obviously there are some challenges and one of the main challenges is the continuous anti-Islamic sentiment and Islamophobia Islamophobia is on the high uh, and obviously the politicians play a big role in increasing the anti-Islamic sentiment and the tension over Muslims and the media but at the same time we are to be blamed for not engaging enough with the government, not engaging enough with the politicians, and not engaging enough when it comes to media. We need to have better representation when it comes to media, when it comes to politics, when it comes to the other different governmental departments and so on. But in general, alhamdulillah, the Muslim community is growing and continues to grow. A lot more centers are being established, mosques have been established, Islamic schools have been established. Uh, the only thing that we are missing is what I mentioned before, is that we don't have any Islamic university or institution uh, up to till this day, uh, we don't have any of those Islamic institutions that can graduate imams and scholars.
0: How do we make sense of what is happening in the Muslim world at present? There's a lot of pain and suffering, some perpetrated against the Muslims, others by the Muslims against Muslims. And dealing with the, the, the negative media attention as well, how do we deal with that? Do we just ignore it? And like you mentioned, Islamophobia as well, it plays a big role and uh, there is a lot of negative attention drawn to the Muslims. So how do we make sense of all of this?
1: Now, obviously we as a Muslim ummah, even if our physical bodies are apart, our souls are always united. So it's not about how far you are, how close you are. You are in South Africa, I'm in Sydney, I'm talking to my brothers and sisters in South Africa, and alhamdulillah our souls and spirit is one. And we are part of this Ummah. The Muslims are part of this Ummah. We are an unbreakable body. We are an unbra- unbra- unbreakable Ummah that we all connect to one another. And we're all together, say so if there's a Muslim in the east, this Muslim must be connected to the Muslim in the west. The Muslim in the west must be connected to the Muslim in the south. The Muslim in the south must be connected to the Muslim in the north. And we're all, alhamdulillah, connected to one another because we have something that's above the boundaries. And that's la ilaha illallah, muhammad rasulullah. What's happening overseas as a Muslim I must carry the concerns and the worry of the Muslim ummah. What's happening overseas? It's my concern. It's my worry. However, me living in Australia or me living in South Africa or living anywhere around the world, I am limited to how much I could really help and support. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at how much we could endure. So Allah azza wa wants to see sincerity out of our actions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see that we are doing our utmost. So here in Australia, the best I could do, for example, is financially aid my brothers and sisters who are in need. Make dua for them. Try and uh, resonate and uh, bring upon... Uh, the 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 issue bring more awareness a wider community speak about this issue and create more awareness over these issues i should not put myself in a position that i can't do because Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala does not ask us what we can burn La nafsan illa And the truth is, sometimes we can't just always think about what's happening in other countries and forget what's happening locally I need to look after the interest of Islam and Muslims locally So I need to look after the interest of the Muslim community here in Australia too And uh, that does not mean that I neglect or ignore what's happening overseas as a Muslim But I'm limited to how much I really could do And uh, everyone has a job to do. So I have a bigger responsibility in Australia. I need to fulfill my responsibility in Australia. And I need to fulfill the rights of Islam upon me in Australia and spread the Da'a of Islam in Australia. Other people have a different responsibility in their country. So we all need to share the load of responsibility and we can't put all the responsibility and put all the load in one basket. We need to disseminate that and each one of us take care of their responsibility according to their ability and according to their capacity.
0: Okay, Sheikh, we are coming towards the end of our interview and I just wanted to ask you, you mentioned about the various institutes of knowledge and how in the future you would like there to be uh, Darul Ulooms in Australia so that uh, the students can study there instead of having to leave Australia to become uh, Muslim leaders, qualified Muslim leaders. Are there any other future plans for the Islamic uh, community in Australia?
1: One of the things I would love to see is stronger representation of Islam, stronger representation of Islam when it comes to politics, stronger representation of Islam when it comes to media, stronger representation of Islam when it comes to public relations and public affairs, local affairs, national affairs, and international affairs. I would love to say that. Obviously, the thing that I would love to see is the Muslim community united. And when I say unity, I don't refer that the Muslim community, every group and every single jama'ah and center get under one banner, and under one council. No, no. Every single jama'ah can continue what they can call that according to it. And every masjid continues to be independent the way they want to be. But there are common issues and common could all over. And now attack. Islam has always been demonized. Islam has always been attacked. Islam's reputation entered with the will brush. Islam is even a bad image. We need to fix that that collectively. Our weakness is in our division, our strength in our unity. So I would love to see the Muslim community unite. And again, when I say the word unite, it doesn't mean that we all have to abandon our groups and abandon our names and abandon our banners. No, unite over the common issues that we all need to unite over. There's common issues that every single Muslim agrees to. Let's all of us put the time and effort to try and rectify that and fixing that. We need to make that change collectively. So this is the ultimate thing that I would like to say. say, And alhamdulillah, we are working towards it. We are working towards it in different ways, in different dimensions, different angles. And I could see some changes happening, alhamdulillah. We are at one stage, a number of Imams will never sit together around one table. Now, the same Imams that will never see eye to eye now are sitting down together on the same table next to each other because they've realized that we all need each other. We all depend on one another and we all support each other. So, insha'Allah, I hope that this can happen, happen here, happen in South Africa, happen all around the world, because our unity is our strength. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala he says in the Qur'an Al-Karim: Do not dispute, do not divide, or otherwise, you will lose your respect, and not only that, you lose the honor and the respect they have towards others. tafshalu, you also fail. And this is the failure that we're all experiencing. This is the unsuccess or the failure that we're all experiencing is that we don't have the respect that we need to have. We don't have the respect that we are due to have.
0: Sheikh, just before I wrap up, I'm going to ask you for a final word of advice.
1: Okay, my final advice to my brothers and my sisters and everyone that's listening to us right now. Islam is bigger than all of us. Islam is a great religion and Islam is bigger than all of us. Islam is so vast, Islam is so wide. Do not, do not narrow down Islam and make Islam to be a small religion. Islam is so big and Islam it can contain every single one of us. Islam can contain every single Muslim. Unfortunately, one of the diseases that we have in this ummah that everyone believes Islam revolves around them. No, 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 we revolve around Islam. Islam is bigger than all of us and Islam can contain every single one of us. So we need to fit into Islam. And let us move away from these small banners that we had haunted ourselves and encircled ourselves in and we can find our da'wah just because I wanna be just revolved or just wanna be part of this group or just wanna be part of the center. Islam contains us all. We're all inside that circle and we all belong to this great circle, the circle of Islam. We need to unite. We need to start respecting each other. We need to start extending our hands to one another. We need to stand by each other because at the end of the day, you are my brother, I'm your brother, and every single Muslim is a brother of another Muslim. We need to be there for each other. So this is my sincere advice. Let's move away from this division that we had divided ourselves in. Let's move away from this fragment. Mentality that we had fragmented ourselves, and I ask Allah جل, to unite you know us all and open our hearts towards one another and make us from amongst those who have that love and respect and that bond to each other. Amin ya Rabbi
0: alamin. From myself, Mohammed Zayd Kasim, we'd like to thank Sheikh Shadi Sulayman for joining us from taking out from his time, joining us all the way from Australia for our international interview. I want to serve from myself, Muhammad Zaid Qasim. We bid assalamu As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.